Book Four, Chapter Seven of the History of Sir Richard Calmady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Anne Fletcher, Richmond, Tasmania, two thousand and twenty. The History of Sir Richard Calmady by Lucas Mallet. Book Four, Chapter Seven. Recording the astonishing valour displayed by a certain small mouse in a corner. As Honoria St. Quentin and the reluctant Shotover stepped side by side from the warmth and dimness obtaining in the ante-room into the pleasant coolness of the moonlit balcony, Lady Constance Quayle, altogether forgetful of her usual careful civility and pretty correctness of demeanour, uttered an inarticulate cry, a cry indeed hardly human in its abandon and unreasoning anguish, resembling rather the shriek of the doubling hare as the pursuing greyhound nips it across the loins regardless of all her dainty finery of tulle and roses and flashing diamonds she flung herself forward face downwards across the coping of the balustrade her bare arms outstretched her hands clasped above her head mr dacia blue-eyed black-haired smooth of skin looking noticeably long and lithe in his close-fitting dress-clothes made a rapid movement as though to lay hold on her and bear her bodily away and then recognising the futility of any such attempt he turned upon the intruders his high-spirited celtic face drawn with emotion his attitude rather dangerously warlike what do you want he demanded hotly oh, my dear good fellow lord shotover began with the most assuaging air of apology i assure you the very last thing that i we i mean i want is to be a nuisance only miss st quentin thought in fact dacia don't you see dash it all you know there seemed to be some sort of worry going on out here and so but honoria did not wait for the conclusion of elaborate explanations for that cry and the unrestraint of the girl's attitude not only roused but shocked her it was not fitting that any man however kindly or even devoted should behold this well-bred modest and gentle young maiden in her present extremity so she swept past mr dacia and bent over lady constance quayle raised her and strove to soothe her agitation speaking in tones of somewhat indignant tenderness but though deriving a measure of comfort from the steady arm about her waist from the strong protective presence and from the rather stern beauty of the face looking down into hers lady constance could not master her agitation the train had left the metals so to speak and the result was confusion dire a great shame held her a dislocation of mind she suffered that loneliness of soul which forms so integral a part of the misery of all apparently irretrievable disaster whether moral or physical and places the victim of it in imagination at all events rather terribly beyond the pale oh she sobbed you ought not to be so kind to me i'm very wicked i never supposed i could be so wicked what shall i do i'm so frightened at myself and everything i didn't recognize you i didn't see it was only shot over well but now you do see my dear con it's only me that gentleman remarked with a cheerful disregard of grammar and so you mustn't upset yourself any more 
it's awfully bad for you and uncomfortable for everybody else don't you know you must try to pull yourself together a bit and we'll help you of course i'll help you we'll all help you of course we will and pull you through somehow but the girl only lamented herself the more piteously oh no shot over you must not be so kind to me you couldn't if you knew how wicked i've been couldn't i lord shotover remarked not without a touch of humorous pathos oh, poor little con oh only only please do not tell louisa it would be too dreadful if she knew she and alicia and the others don't tell her and i will be good i'll be quite good indeed i will bless me my dear child i won't tell anybody anything to begin with i don't know anything to tell the girl's voice had sunk away into a sob she shuddered letting her pretty brown head fall back against honoria st quentin's bare shoulder while the moonlight glinted on her jewels and the night wind swayed the hanging clusters of pink geraniums along with the warmth and scent of flowers streaming outward through the open windows came a confused sound of many voices of discreet laughter mingled with the wailing sweetness of violins then the pleading broken childish voice took up its tale again i will be good i know i've promised and i've let him give me a number of beautiful things he has been very kind to me because he's clever and of course i'm stupid but he's never been impatient with me and i'm not ungrateful indeed shot over i am not it was only for a minute i was wicked enough to think of doing it but mr dacia told me he asked me and we were so happy at whitney in the winter and it seemed too hard to give it all up as he said it was true but i will be good indeed i will really it was only for a minute i thought of it i know i've promised indeed i'll make no fuss i'll be good i will marry richard carmody oh but this is simply intolerable honoria said in a low voice she held herself tall and straight looking gallant and yet pure austere even as some pictured jeanne d'arc a great singleness of purpose a high courage of protest an effect at once of fearless challenge and of command in her bearing is it not a scandal she went on that in a civilised country at this time of day woman should be allowed actually forced to suffer so much you must not permit this martyrdom to be completed you can't as she spoke daisha watched her keenly who this stately young lady so remarkably unlike the majority of lord shotover's intimate feminine acquaintance might be he did not know but he discerned in her an ally and a powerful one yes he said impulsively you're right it is a martyrdom and a scandalous one it's worse than murder it's sacrilege it's not like any ordinary marriage i don't want to be brutal but it isn't there's something repulsive in it something unnatural the young man looked at honoria and read in her expression a certain agreement and encouragement you know it shot over you know it just as well as i do 
and that justified me in attempting what i suppose i would not otherwise have felt it honourable to attempt look here shot over i'll tell you what has just happened i would have had to tell you to-morrow in any case if we'd carried out the plan but i suppose i have no alternative but to tell you now since you've come he ranged himself in line with miss st quentin his back against one of the big stone vases he struggled honestly to keep both temper and emotion under control but a rather volcanic energy was perceptible in him i love lady constance he said i've told her so and and she cares for me i'm not a croesus like carmody but i'm not a pauper i've enough to keep a wife in a manner suitable to her position and my own when my uncle ulick dacia dies which i hope he'll not hurry to do since i'm very fond of him there'll be the somerset property in addition to my own dear old place in county cork and your sister simply hates this marriage oh lord bless me my dear fellow so do i lord shotover put in with evident sincerity and so when at last i had spoken freely i asked her to but the young girl cowered down hiding her face in honoria st quentin's bosom oh, don't say it again don't say it she implored it was wicked of me to listen to you even for a minute i ought to have stopped you at once and sent you away it was very wrong of me to listen and talk to you and tell you all that i did but everything is so strange and i've been so miserable i never supposed anybody could ever be so miserable and i knew it was ungrateful of me and so i dared not tell anybody i would have told papa but louisa never let me be alone with him she said papa indulged me and made me selfish and fanciful and so i've never seen him for more than a little while and i've been so frightened she raised her head gazing wide-eyed first at miss st quentin and then at her brother i have thought such dreadful things i must be very bad i wanted to run away i wanted to die there you hear you hear dacia cried hoarsely spreading abroad his hands in sudden violence of appeal to honoria for god's sake help us i'm not aware whether you're a relation or a friend or what but i am convinced you can help if only you choose to do so and i tell you she is just killing herself over this accursed marriage someone's got at her and talked her into some wild notion of doing her duty and marrying money for the sake of her family oh i say damn it all lord shotover exclaimed smitten with genuine remorse and so she believes she's committing the seven deadly sins and i don't know what besides because she rebels against this marriage and is unhappy tell her it's absurd it's horrible that she should do what she loathes and detests tell her this talk about duty is a blind and a fiction tell her she isn't wicked <laughs> why god in heaven if we were none of us more wicked than she is this poor old world would be so clean a place that the holy angels might walk barefoot along the piccadilly pavement there outside without risking to soil so much as the hem of their garments make her understand that the only sin for her is to do violence to her nature by marrying a man she's afraid of and for whom she does not care 
i don't want to play a low game on sir richard carmody and steal that which belongs to him but she doesn't belong to him she is mine just my own i knew that from the first day i came to whitney and looked her in the face shot over and she knows it too only she's been terrorised with all this devil's talk of duty so far the words had poured forth volubly as in a torrent now the speaker's voice dropped and they came slowly defiantly yet without hesitation and so i asked her to go away with me now to-night and marry me to-morrow i can make her happy oh no fear about that and she would have consented and gone we have been away by now if you and this lady had not come just when you did shot over the gentleman addressed whistled very softly would you though he said adding meditatively by george now who'd have thought of connie going the pace like that oh shot over never tell oh, promise me you never will tell them the poor child cried again i know it was wicked but no no you're mistaken there honoria put in holding her still closer you were tempted to take a rather desperate way out of your difficulties it would have been unwise but there was nothing wicked in it the wrong thing is as mr daysha tells you to marry without love and so make all your life a lie by pretending to give richard carmody that which you do not and cannot give him then the young soldier broke in resolutely again i tell you i asked her to go away and i ask her again now the deuce you do lord shotover exclaimed his sense of amusement getting the better alike of astonishment and of personal regrets only now i ask you to sanction her going shot over and i ask you he turned to miss st quentin to come with her i'm not even sure of your name but i know by all you said and done in the last half hour i can be very sure of you and i perceive that if you come nobody will dare to say anything unpleasant there'll be nothing indeed to be said honoria smiled the magnificent egoism of mankind in love struck her as distinctly diverting yet she had a very kindly feeling towards this black-haired bright-eyed energetic young lover he was in deadly earnest to the removing even of mountains and he had need to be so for that mountains immediately blocked the road to his desires was evident even to her enthusiastic mind she looked across compellingly at lord shotover let him speak first she needed time at this juncture in which to arrange her ideas and to think my dear good fellow that gentleman began obediently patting daisha on the shoulder i'm all on your side i give you my word i am and i reason to believe my father will be so too but you see an elopement especially in our sort of highly respectable humdrum family is rather a strong order upon my honour it is you know daisha and even though kindly countenanced by miss st quentin and sanctioned by me it would make a precious undesirable lot of talk it really is a rather irregular fashion of conducting the business you see and then 
advice i always give others and only wish i could always remember to take myself it's very much best to be off with the old love before you're on with the new yes yes miss st quentin put in with quick decision lord shotover has laid his finger on the heart of the matter it is just that lady constance's engagement to richard calmady must be cancelled before her engagement to you captain dacia is announced for her to go away with you would be to invite criticism and put herself hopelessly in the wrong she must not put herself in the wrong let me think there must be some way by which we can avoid that an exultation hitherto unexperienced by her inspired honoria st quentin her attitude was slightly unconventional she sat on the stone balustrade with long-limbed lazy grace holding the girl's hand forgetful of herself forgetful in a degree of appearances concerned only with the problem of rescue presented to her the young man's honest whole-hearted devotion the young girl's struggle after duty and her piteous desolation nay the close contact of that soft maidenly body that she had so lately held against her in closer more intimate contact than she had ever held anything human before aroused a new class of sentiment a new order of emotion within her she realised for the first time the magnetism the penetrating and poetic splendour of human love to witness the spectacle of it to be thus in touch with it excited her almost as sailing a boat in a heavy sea or riding to hounds in a stiff country excited her and it followed that now while she perched aloft boy-like on the balustrade her delicate beauty took on a strange effulgence a something spiritual mysterious elusive and yet dazzling as the moonlight which bathed her charming figure seeing which it must be owned that lord shotover's attitude towards her ceased to be strictly fraternal while the attractions of ladies more fair and kind than wise paled very sensibly hmm, wish i hadn't been such a fool in my day and run amuck with my chances he thought but miss st quentin was altogether innocent of his observation or any such thinkings she looked up suddenly her face irradiated by an exquisite smile yes i have it she cried i see the way clear but i can't tell them broke in lady constance honoria's hand closed down on hers reassuringly no she said you shall not tell them and lord shotover shall not tell them sir richard calmady shall tell lord fallowfield that he wishes to be released from his engagement as he believes both you and he will be happier apart only you must be brave both for your own sake and for mr dacia's and for richard calmady's sake also lady constance she went on with a certain gentle authority do you want to go back to whitney to-morrow or the next day all this nightmare of an unhappy marriage done away with and gone well then you must come and see sir richard calmady to-night and like an honourable woman tell him the whole truth it must be done at once or your courage may fail we'll come with you lord shotover and i oh good lord will we though the young man ejaculated while the girl's great heifer eyes grew strained with wonder at this astounding announcement i know it will be rather terrible honoria continued calmly 
but it is a matter of a quarter of an hour as against a lifetime and of honour as against a lie so it's worth while don't you think so when your whole future and mr dacia's she pressed the soft hand again steadily is at stake you must be brave now and tell him the truth just simply that you do not love him enough that you have tried you have i know you've done that but you failed that you love someone else and that therefore you beg him in mercy before it's too late to set you free fascinated both by her appearance and by the simplicity of her trenchant solution of the difficulty lord shotover stared at the speaker her faith was infectious yet it occurred to him that all women good and bad are at least alike in this that their methods become radically unscrupulous when they find themselves in a tight place mm, it is a fine plan it ought to work for cripple or not poor Carmody is a gentleman he said slowly but doesn't it seem just a trifle rough miss st quentin to ask him to be his own executioner honoria had slipped down from the balustrade and stood erect in the moonlight i think not she replied the woman pays as a rule lady constance has paid already quite heavily enough don't you think so now we will have the exception that proves the rule the man shall pay whatever remains of the debt but we must not waste time it's not late yet and we shall still find him up and my brougham is here i told lady alderm i should be home fairly early get a cloak lady constance and meet us in the hall i suppose you can go down by some back way so as to avoid meeting people lord shotover will you take me to say good-night to your sister lady louisa the young man fairly chuckled and you mr dacia must stay and dance she smiled upon him very sweetly i promise you it will come through all right for as lord shotover says whatever his misfortunes may be richard carmody is a gentleman oh, i hope you're going to be very happy good-bye dacia's black head went down over her hand and he kissed it impulsively good-bye he said the words catching a little in his throat when the time comes may you find the man to love you as you deserve though i doubt if there's such a man living or dead either for that matter god bless you some half hour later honoria stood among the holland shrouded furniture in lady carmody's sitting-room in lounge square the period of exalted feeling of the conviction of successful attainment was over and her heart beat somewhat painfully for she had had time by now to realise the surprising audacity of her own proceedings lord shotover's parley with richard carmody's manservant on the doorstep had brought that home to her placing what had seemed obvious as a course of action to her fervid imagination in quite a new light uh, sir richard carmody was at home he was still up to that yes would he see lady constance quayle upon urgent business to that again yes after a rather lengthy delay while the valet inscrutable yet evidently highly critical made inquiries the trees in the square had whispered together uncomfortably while the two young ladies waited in the carriage and lord shotover's shadow which had usually very surely nothing in the least portentous about it 
lay queerly three ways at once in varying degrees of density across the grey pavement in the conflicting gas and moonlight and now as she stood among the shrouded furniture which appeared oddly improbable in shape seen in the flickering of two hastily lighted candles honoria could hear shotover walking back and forth patiently on that same grey pavement outside she was overstrained by the emotions and events of the past hours small matters compelled her attention the creaking of a board the rustle of a curtain the silence even of this large but half-inhabited house were to her big with suggestion disquietly replete with possible meaning of exaggerated importance to her anxiously listening ears lord shotover had stopped walking he was talking to the coachman honoria entertained a conviction that in the overflowing of his good nature he talked sooner or later to every soul whom he met and she derived almost childish comfort from the knowledge of the near neighbourhood of that eminently good-natured presence lord shotover's very obvious faults faded from her remembrance she estimated him only by his size his physical strength his large indulgence of all weaknesses including his own he constituted a link between her and things ordinary and average for which she was rather absurdly thankful at this juncture for the minutes passed slowly very slowly it must be getting on for half an hour since little lady constance trembling and visibly affrighted had passed out of sight and the door of the smoking-room had closed behind her the nameless agitation which possessed her earlier that same evening returned upon honoria st quentin but its character had suffered change the questioning of the actual the suspicion of universal illusion had departed and in its place she suffered alarm of the concrete of the incalculable force of human passion and of a manifestation of tragedy in some active and violent form she did not define her own fears but they surrounded her nevertheless so that the slightest sound made her start for indeed how slowly the minutes did pass lord shotover was walking again the horse rattled its bit and pawed the ground impatient of delay though lofty the room appeared close and hot with drawn blinds and shut windows honoria began to move about restlessly threading her way between the pieces of shrouded furniture a chalk drawing of lady carmody stood on an easel in the far corner the portrait emphasised the sweetness and abiding pathos rather than the strength of the original and honoria standing before it put her hands over her eyes for the pictured face seemed to plead with and reproach her then a swift fear took her of disloyalty of hastiness of self-confidence trenching on cruelty she had announced rather arrogantly that whatever balance debt remained to be paid in respect of sir richard and lady constance quayle's proposed marriage should be paid by the man but would the man in point of fact pay it would it not must it not be paid eventually by this other noble and much enduring woman whom she had called her friend and towards whom she played the part as she feared of betrayer in her hot espousal of lady constance's cause she had only saved one woman at the expense of another oh how hot the room grew suffocating lord shotover's steps died away in the distance 
she could look lady carmody in the face no more secure in her own self-conceit and vanity she had betrayed her friend suddenly the sharp peal of a bell the opening of a door the dragging of silken skirts and the hurrying of footsteps honoria gathered up her somewhat scattered courage and swung out into the hall lady constance quail came towards her groping staggering and breathless her head carried low her face convulsed with weeping but to this for the moment miss st quentin paid small heed for at the far end of the hall a bright light streamed out from the open doorway and in the full glare of it stood a young man his head with its cap of close-cropped curls proudly distinguished as that of some classic hero his features the beautiful features of catherine carmody his height but two-thirds the height a man of his make should be his face drawn and livid as that of a corpse his arms hanging down straight at his sides his hands only just not touching the marble quarries of the floor on either side of him honoria uttered an exclamation of uncontrollable pity and horror caught constance quail by the arm and hurried out into the moonlit square to the waiting carriage lord shotover flung away the end of his cigar and strolled towards them got through fixed it all right eh connie oh bravo that's grand oh you, you needn't tell me i can imagine it's been a beastly piece of work but anyway it's over now you must go home and go to bed and i'll account for you somehow to louisa my mind's becoming quite inventive to-night i promise you there get in try to pull yourself together miss st quentin upon my word i don't know how to thank you you've been magnificent and put us under an everlasting obligation con and dacia and my father and i nice night isn't it you'll put us down in albert gate all right a thousand thanks yes i'll go on the box again you haven't much room for my legs among all those flounces bless me occurs to me i'm getting confoundedly hungry i shall be awfully glad of some supper End of chapter 7 of book 4